We're so glad you've joined us today for this teaching from City of Life Church. For information on City of Life and to find more teachings like this, visit us at www.col.tv. Now, let's join the service. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. I'm reading out of the New International Version. We're going to have the scripture up here for those that do not have their Bibles with you. I'd encourage you to bring a Bible, uh, but if not, we'd like to provide the scripture for you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. Look at someone next to you. Say, you smell good. Even if they don't, just lie to them. Just tell them, say, you smell good. Let them know. Say, you smell good. You don't want to be sitting next to a stinky person, but... You want to build their confidence to let them believe that they do smell good, even if they don't. And maybe next week they'll come back actually smelling good, which could be beneficial to you and themselves, especially if they're the ones looking for the spouse I was talking about earlier when I was talking about Love Strong Nights on Wednesday. So Galatians 5, through 25, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, I better get some amens here, okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I'm going to talk to you today for a couple of minutes on an idea. This is the year of foundations. I believe it's important to uh, revisit some really important ideas about our Christian faith. I'm very excited. This week I just did the audio book for uh, Jesus First, Jesus Always, my book that's going to be coming out 4th of July weekend. And one of the things that I love about the book is the book is, is very intentional. When I first became a pastor, it's one of the first messages that I kind of created a series to explain the basics of the Christian faith. That's what that book is about. Jesus first, Jesus always. What does Christianity really look like in a nutshell? And in reading the book out loud, it got me so excited uh, about some of the foundational principles of what we believe are some of the most exciting things that we believe, but yet they're things that we take for granted many times and forget about. So this idea here uh, that we find in Galatians 5.22. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this idea. I'm just going to call it Orchard. Uh, the message is going to be called Orchard. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and your presence and this amazing worship that's here today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to do a, a, a deep work in us. Uh, let our hearts be toward heaven and everything we do. Uh, let us give you dominion and ownership of our decisions and everything that we do, everything we choose, let it be a choice that's filtered through you, God, that you can receive honor and glory in our decisions and our relationships for people that are here today that have given up on some element of life. If they've given up and lost hope, that's an area that they have not submitted to you, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would submit every area to you and you would fill the dead and broken things in our lives with hope again. Lord, thank you for the resurrection that we celebrated last week. Lord, let us see dead things in our life be resurrected now, uh, moving forward after Easter. And we thank you for what you're doing here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. You ever, uh, you ever met somebody and just quickly from interacting with them or listening to them talk, you can figure out 
a few key things about them, maybe where they're from or the type of person they might be just from talking. I'm not talking about judging people. I'm talking about you just have a quick conversation with someone. I was with my family this past week and we were at Disney and uh, there was a guy that I heard talk to his spouse and he said, yeah, the, the Bama spring game is coming up. And, and, and he said, the Bama spring game is coming up. Well, I grew up in Alabama, and I know that people that when they refer to Bama, uh, they're normally talking about the Alabama football team. And the spring game means that all the college football teams are practicing. Uh, they get a spring session where they practice, and then they come back for the summer and get ready for the fall. But the spring game is something people look forward to. So I just kind of walked over. I said, hey, what part, of, uh, what part of Alabama are you from? He goes, you from Bama? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm from Bama. He said, roll tide. And, and I mean, I, he just, just almost everything that I had imagined he was going to say, he started saying right there. Uh, j- just, and we were just best friends instantly. I could just kind of, I could kind of figure out some stuff about him just from his mannerisms, from the way he talked. It just kind of gave me some clues as to what he was all about. You can tell a lot about people by their mannerisms. You could tell a lot about where people are from. Uh, you could tell a lot about their culture, about what they hold valuable, what, what, what they think is important in life by some of the things they try to do. As a matter of fact, last week, one of the most heartbreaking parts of the Easter story is, is when Peter denies Jesus. Uh, Jesus tells Peter he's going to deny him, and Peter says, no, I, I absolutely won't deny him deny you and that night that it all went down Matthew 26 73 says after a little while those standing there went up to Peter as Peter was trying to deny Jesus and said surely you are one of them your accent gives you away in essence what he was saying is you you talk like Jesus and all those disciples you can't even deny him if you want to um, I have a friend, and I'm going to call him this week. I, I just was thinking about him this morning uh, as I was going over my notes. I was thinking about him. But his name is Obed Martinez. He's a pastor, <clears throat> and he pastors in Palm Springs. And he was one of my first friends that I made when I became a senior pastor. He's a super cool guy, very down-to-earth. Uh, he's, he's so funny. He's, he's a really good preacher. Uh, but when I first met Obed, he grew up in California. And everything, he's a Puerto Rican guy, but... Grew up in California, um, just, like I said, super nice, real down to earth. But, but one thing I noticed about Obed is when I first met him, he's like, he's like, yo, Doc, man, it's really nice to meet you, Doc. It's, it's so cool hanging out with you, Doc. He's like, and you like football, Doc, the way I like I'm like, this, home dude, this homeboy's calling me Doc. Like, I mean, does he know that I'm a doctor? I mean, like, what's the, why is he calling me Doc over and over? I'm like, is this the Bugs Bunny hour? I mean, what's going on here? I don't, I don't get this. And so he's like, you know, and, and so I was like, it just became very endearing every time I heard him say, Doc. So I had him preach here at City of Life, and he came and preached and just did a great job, blew it up. He invited me out to Palm Springs, and I started preaching. Well, he sent one of his guys to pick me up at the airport, and, and his dude rolls up to the airport. He's like, oh, so nice to have you, Doc. Uh, love having you in town, Doc. I'm like, man, these people, they just are serious about this Doc thing. Everybody's Doc around here. And then, then Lisette, Obed's wife, she's like, man, it's nice to have you in town, Doc. And everyone, like everyone they know calls each other Doc. Why? Because that's who they are. That's like their language. They talk like that. That's, that's just the way they, they, they talk to a friend. It's just the vernacular that they use. And you can kind of recognize their clan by the things they say and the way they talk. And it's, it's wonderful because that's who they are. And I think in the same way, 
as Christians, there are things that we say and we should say and we should do that let other people know instinctively that we are Christians. Have you ever met someone and before you even got a chance to talk to them, you're thinking in the back of your mind, this dude's a Christian. Like you just know, like there's something about them. You just go, this, this, person, this person has to be a Christian. And then there have been other times too, I've been wrong. I've been, this person's a Christian. I was like, oh, they're probably not. They're probably not a Christian. I, I missed it on that one. Uh, I mean, and I'm not saying that non-Christians can't be kind. I'm not saying non-Christians can't have some of the qualities I just read. Certainly there's some incredibly kind and generous and wonderful, loving people that are out there. But today in this, this message on Orchard, I want to talk about some of the most pure and, and, and truest virtues uh, that there are on the planet Earth and where they originate from and that Christians are supposed to be demonstrating this in our lives on a regular basis. Our lives are supposed to be so full of Jesus that we couldn't deny him if we wanted to. Our lives are supposed to be flourishing, planted, so immersed in the life of God that we could not in any situation deny him. That just like Peter, even if we tried to deny him, someone would go, no, 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 be quiet, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. I can tell you're a Christian by the way you live. So in order to get to this point, I want to read this chapter from the message version. I love the message. It is in such modern language. I'm going to read it from the message version, then I'm going to kind of comment on it, and I'm going to read parts of it from the NIV. So listen to this, Galatians chapter 5. It says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Look at someone next to you say, I've tried that. Raise your hand if you've actually tried that, trying to get your way all the time. We know what that looks like. Don't point to people like he still does it. He's doing it right now. Trying to get your way all the time. Repetitive, loveless. Cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Whoa, this is getting right to it, isn't it? Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly, oh, I love this, ugly parodies of community, I could go on, Paul says. Now, thank you for stopping there because I'm starting to feel pretty bad. <laughs> this isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when you live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Look around you right now. And look at the person next to you and say, we're sitting in an orchard. That's really what a church is supposed to be. A church is supposed to be an orchard. A place where we are trees, individually, those that are to bear fruit. 
And when people see us as a church, they're supposed to say, my God, look at that orchard full of fruit. That is the most wonderful looking fruit in the world from all those trees that are bearing fruit in their life. Who wants to go into a barren, empty orchard? No one has ever wanted that in their entire lives. But the Bible says here, the same way fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good and crucified. What is an orchard? An orchard is a piece of land that is planted with trees for the purpose of growing fruit. That's what an orchard is. A church is supposed to be like an orchard. When you look at our lives collectively of the people that are in this room right now, we should see some of the most fruitful, vibrant people in all of Osceola and Orange County. And I believe it's true. I believe that when we look around here, we see people that demonstrate love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of those wonderful fruits that are such a joy to partake of, such a joy to be around when people have those kind of fruits. Who believes that there is a ton of those fruits sitting in this room right now? Because we are committed to a life of loving and knowing and cultivating godly principles in our life. Trees are supposed to produce fruit. Can you imagine you are hungry and you're starving to death and you haven't had any food and you stumble upon an orchard? What would you do? What would you look for? There's probably some good trees in the, in the orchard and there's probably some bad trees. What would you do? How would you know which one to go to? Go to the ones with the fruit, right? So as Christians, we're supposed to have fruit in our life. What happens to people that are out there that are hungry, that need to know God, and you are around them, and you happen to be a tree that has no fruit on your life? What happens to the person that is starving? What has, happens to the person that needs nourishment so badly there's no fruit in your life? You're not able to bless anyone else when there's no fruit in your life. As a matter of fact, your spiritual life is withering up from the inside anyways. Trees are made to produce fruit. Fruit trees are made to produce fruit. Now look, Galatians 5, 16 through 23 in the NIV uses some more traditional kind of language. It's what I just read. But the more traditional way says, I say walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what is being contrasted in this Galatians chapter 5 is the fact that we have natural desires of the flesh. And it is either living a fruitless life that is full of the same garbage that we have tried to consume our whole entire lives, which simply does not work. It is a life that does not work. Anger does not work. Addiction does not work. Seeking out pleasures all over the place does not work. 
Seeking fame and fortune and wealth and influence does not work. They are desires of the flesh that get you so sidetracked that you end up ruining and wasting your life in pursuit of the same things over and over again that does not work. Getting drunk every night does not work. It may medicate you for the moment, but you wake up the next day embarrassed of the things you said and did the night before and feeling more addicted to the thing that just gave you the temporary high. You need that same thing to get you back to where you were. It is a vicious cycle that does not work. It doesn't work. Seeking out gratification through sexual relationships that is outside of what God has intended for a husband and a wife in marriage does not work. I'm not saying it doesn't feel good. I'm not saying it doesn't give you a temporary high. What I'm saying is long-term, it does not contribute to your flourishing. It does not contribute to the flourishing of others. It's not self-sacrificing. It is not rooted in the love of God. That's why you are so disillusioned. That's why you are so disappointed. You have been investing your life in a system that does does not work. Why am I yelling? Because I've done this stupid stuff. And I'm saying from experience, it does not work. It doesn't work. I'm not being theoretical here saying I've heard that this doesn't work. I've done it. It doesn't work. It's listing a whole lifestyle, a whole pattern of things that are broken, parodies of community. What that is saying, a parody is like a little skit that you laugh at and make fun of. It's saying no matter how sophisticated communities and friendships and clubs and groups look, and no matter how appealing they may be, it's saying it's a parody of what life is supposed to look like when community is based on Christ. See, works are something you show. You show works. That's something that you show. They're they're external. And it's contrasting with works with fruit. Works are something you show, but fruit is something you grow. See, we're supposed to live our life in pursuit of growth. Fruit is grown in your life. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is grown in your life. So when you stop doing things that you're not meant to do, can I just tell you something? I, my first job was janitor. Okay, guess who hired me? My dad. Okay, I am the worst janitor in the entire world. My mom just said amen. My mom just said amen. The most compassionate woman that has ever lived just said, I am the worst gender. It, 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 it ministered to her spirit when I said it, so much so that she actually used a biblical word to confirm how bad I am at being a janitor. Do you know why I'm bad at being a janitor? Because I talk all the time. I talk all the time, and every time my dad would tell me to do something, I was 14, he, he said, okay, son, he bought me these gloves. So he, bought, he buys, buys me these gloves. 
I'm like, man, look at these gloves. I mean, I spent like hours just looking at the gloves. I knew I was off to a bad start. I'm like, I mean, I'm, I got these work boots on, and he buys all this mulch, and he goes, okay, son, you're going to come out here, and you're going to line the front of the building with mulch, and you want to get it all under the plants, and you want to line the front and line the side, and when you're done with that, come get me. I said, okay, okay. So he went away. I'm, I start, man, I'm like, man, it's hot out here. I'm like, man, this is... Yeah, this is going to be hot. I need a break real quick. So, I mean, I went and took a break before I even got started. Had some water. You know, I just kind of tried to get in the right mental. I'm 14. I'm like, okay, let's get in the right frame of mind here. So, I mean, I, I, I do a little bit. I put a little mulch down, and I, I get it around a tree, and I'm like, my God, that looks good. And I'm, I mean, it's just one tree. It's just one. I mean, there's like 50 trees out there. And I got it around there, and so I go, and I knock on my dad's door, in the office, and I said, Dad, I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And there's like five, you know, elders in there. They're planning, building. He's like, sure, son. He's like, what, what do you need? And I'm like, come here. You got to see this. I'm like, come over, come over here. And, and he's like, what, what am I looking at here? I said, you're looking at my work. I said, look at this tree. He goes, yes, son, that is wonderful. He said, you have to do all the trees. That's not just that tree. You got to do every tree. You got to put the mulch everywhere. So I was horrible as a janitor. Can you imagine if, if you're running a company and you need someone to take care of the property and you said to them, well, how did your week go? What did you accomplish this week? And you said, well, I made four new friends. Um, I got to talk to a lot of people that came into the building uh, and they're real excited about being here. But if you said to yourself, but what about the bathrooms? What about, what about outside? Did you, well, no, I didn't get to any of that stuff. Uh, but actually, I did some other things that were good. Could you justify keeping someone on your staff that wasn't doing what they were created to do in terms of your job position? You, you hired them for that position to fulfill a position. You are designed to produce fruit. God made you to produce fruit. It is your purpose as a Christian to receive God's love and freedom in such a way that it transforms who we are from the inside out, and no longer do we do fruitless things that lead to blessing no one, but now everything we do in our life is a result of what God has done for us. It's a response to what God has done for us. You demonstrate works, but you cultivate fruit. I love that. Ephesians 5.8 goes along with this so well. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord, listen to this, and have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. When you start seeing things in your life that are fruitless that we were describing, when you start seeing anger well up in you, I'm sorry, but you know, I, I've heard people say before that their, you know, their five-year-old did something and they just set me off and they ruined their day. If you're allowing a five-year-old to ruin your day before your day has even started, you might need to work on the fruits of the Spirit a little bit. 
That's the reason they're five, is they're not as old as you yet. They're figuring everything out. We have to live our lives with kindness. We have to live our lives with patience. We have to live our lives expecting that we're going out into a broken world. There's a lot of hurting people that are out there. And we are called to be salt and light to that broken world by demonstrating the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen today. So when you're doing fruitless things, you can't produce fruit. So when I'm talking, I can't do mulch. Amen. It's not possible. I'm doing something that's fruitless. When I'm talking and I'm knocking on my dad's door, by the way, what's amazing about my father is that he never criticized me. He just realized that I was in the wrong area. He spent years trying to figure out what, figure out what my area was to no avail for many years and finally figured it out. But Thank you for never giving up on me, Dad. I love that about you. You're, you're, you're like that with everybody. God never gives up on us either. God never gives up on us either. But he does require, he does require that we produce fruit in our life. So how is it possible for me to produce fruit when I'm living a fruitless life? It's not. So what do you have to do? You have to quit doing things that are fruitless. Just stop doing them. You say, well, how? By not doing them. Don't do them anymore. Stop cussing at people. Stop being angry. Stop yelling at your wife. Stop disrespecting your husband and your kids. And, and stop putting your finger up in the air and say, oh, no, you didn't. Just stop. Just keep your finger in your pocket. Stop. Just, just don't pull it out. If you leave it, at least you'll just be going, oh, no, he didn't. And then it's going to look awkward and you'll quit doing that eventually. Because it's all supposed to go together. You know what I mean? Stop doing these things. Loveless, cheap sex. Stop. Stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Stop. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Stop. Trinket gods. Stop reading horoscopes and, and consulting psychics and doing all this stupid witchcraft bull that does never helped anyone in the history of the world. You're like, but I was born in August. Who cares? That means nothing. My wife was born four days away from me and you couldn't find two more different people on the planet, but we love each other. We're not both going to meet a special stranger today because we were born in August. That's not holy. It's not funny. It's not right. You don't dabble around in things that are evil and demonic. They're wrong. That could even really go for a lot of broader things. I'm not, I don't want to put rules on your life, but that could really delve into things that you watch and things that you allow to influence you in your thinking and your life. I mean, it's one thing to watch Harry Potter, but it's another thing if you go get a wand and you start saying Wingardium Leviosa to people and stuff like that. I mean, there's a problem. Are, are you following me? <laughs> That's a pro that, I mean, there's a problem when you start getting too, too much into these fruitless things where now they have power over your life and you're letting them influence you. Stop. And you say, well, why? Because you're producing no godly fruit. No godly fruit. You wonder why you fly off the handle when someone cuts you off. 
why you fly off the handle when someone questions anything you say. Why you fly off the handle when someone asks you a simple question. Why? Is it, is it, is it really everyone else in the world is a jerk or is it possible that that just might be you? It's like that, that old joke about, <laughs> about the guy that walked outside and said, God, it stinks out here. And he, he walked inside, he said, my God, it stinks in here. And he got in his car, he said, it stinks in, in here. And he got out in the open field, he said, it stinks in here. He said, my God, the whole world stinks. Is it possible that you stink? Is it possible that you stink? I mean, you, you, you need some... You need some fruit in your life. Everyone else can't always be the problem. It's really like people that jump around from church to church. Oh, well, I don't like Pastor Jeff. He says some dumb things. Well, yeah, that's right. It's true. But be careful because whoever you think is so awesome, they probably say some dumb things too. And, and well, I like Jeff because he never says dumb things. No, I do. I, I do. When you hop around from place to place and you find fault everywhere you go, the problem is, is really you've got, the the fault is in yourself. It's not that all the places are so bad. It's that you have chosen in your life to live a fruitless life rather than focusing on the fruit that God wants us to have. I got, you know, I've said these things. They're very paramount. I will say them again because I think it's really important. When it comes to fruit in our life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is gradual, it is internal, it is inevitable, and it is symmetrical. Okay, so gradual, it's wild. During Blink, I looked at my son one day. He did something wrong. I said, come here, boy. And he, he walked up to me, and I looked at him in the eyes, and I was about to tell him something. I was like, oh, dang, he's tall. Like, I, like when I looked at him, I was used to looking down at him, and I had to, like, focus to remember to correct him uh, because I was so impressed with how tall he got. But what happened is it creeped up on me because it doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual process. No one sees themselves growing. No one feels themselves growing. You don't tell your friend, excuse me for one second, I have to grow an inch. You don't do that. You just do it. You just gradually do it. So it's gradual, it's internal. You don't measure your personal growth by how much people are growing around you. I'm sorry, but if everyone's life is being changed by you for God, but you're not being changed by God, you're changing nothing. You have to be changed by God. It is internal. It is inevitable. It means that if you're a Christian, you will grow. And then finally, it is symmetrical. When you look at those nine fruits of the Spirit that I talked about, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, if you're just the love king and you love everyone with the love of God and everything is so sacrificial, it's not possible that you'll be completely lacking joy. The, the, The fruit is symmetrical. It's mentioned as one fruit. Now, there are different expressions of that fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit in that chapter is mentioned in the singular. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit has many different manifestations. So if you have the fruit, you're going to have all of them. It doesn't mean you're going to be an ace in all of them. There are some people that are temperamentally joyful. It's not an attribute of the Holy Spirit. They're temperamentally joyful. But you have to work 
in the area of joy when all of the natural things that make you happy go away and you are in a terrible situation like Paul and Silas and what do you do? You're joyful and you start rejoicing and singing in prison and you're excited. Why? Because that's something that's derived from the Holy Spirit and not you. So we have to remember these things are, we're supposed to have all of them in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And by the way, just so you know how beautiful these things are, these are all things that God demonstrates toward us. So when we think about how good it feels to be loved by God, to have God's joy be toward us, He rejoices over us. The book of Zephaniah says He rejoices over us with singing. He's joyful toward us. He he has peace toward us. He has patience toward us. He doesn't give up on us. He has gentleness. The Bible said that he he is slow to wrath and slow to anger. So think about all these things that God is toward us. How, what a necessity it, what a necessity it is that we have this fruit toward others. As beautiful as it is that God shows these things to us, how significant and important is it that we demonstrate these things to others? Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. People should know you're a Christian because the fruit in your life is so evident that they can't deny Jesus is there. Think about those people that are starving, looking for fruit, and they they stumble into that orchard. What would they find in your life? Would they find a barren tree, or would they find a tree that's constantly growing? I have to tell you something. I I think that if you're you're truly, uh, if you have any level of intrapersonal intelligence whatsoever, and you're a person that is able to look at your own life and evaluate, I think we all should try to be very intrapersonal when it comes to the way we feel about our lives, the way we look at and assess our emotions and things of that nature. I think that in order to do that effectively as a Christian, you have to gauge your life. I think you have to look back and say, am I more patient in 2018 than I was in 2017? There are ways to measure that. Am I more loving than I was last year? Am I more generous than I was last year? And we have to police this stuff and self-govern our own lives. Self-government is one of the foundational principles of the kingdom, is allowing the Holy Spirit to do things in you on a regular basis and you govern your own life. The Holy Spirit's patient with us, but the purpose of the fruit tree is to produce fruit. So you know what? Go out there and produce fruit. Go out there and study this passage of scripture. Let, Let love be your goal. Quit doing all the things that just simply don't work. Let love be your goal. Let peace be your goal. Let joy be your goal. Long suffering, being patient, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, forbearance, just being patient with people, being kind with people, let the Holy Spirit, and what happens is you'll find that when you stop doing all that other stuff, you think to yourself, well, what am I going to do now? I'm going to love somebody. What am I going to do now that I'm not doing all this other dumb stuff? I'm going to have some joy in my life. What am I going to do now? I quit doing all that stuff. I I ain't got nothing to do. I'm going to be kind to people. What am I going to do now? I ain't got nothing to do. I'm going to learn how to be patient. I'm going to learn how to work on myself. I'm going to grow these things in my life. And to me, oh, man, when I see people look at our church in the future, I want to see the most fruitful orchard imaginable that is a blessing to every single person that comes in contact with us. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Your generosity makes this broadcast possible. 
So if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here, click give at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Join us again for more great teachings like this one.